Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode 485, which will all get ceremonially archived just like the rest of Gallifrey. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Did you guys do anything this week? Uh, we watched the first season of Staged. What's that? It's a series that's currently on Hulu. I think it was a BBC show um, that stars David Tennant and Michael oh, Sheen. Oh, right. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. As actors one. whose play get canceled because of the pandemic. Yeah, and they're on Zoom. And so they take their auditions or their, audition, their rehearsals to Zoom. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I've heard. It's at times very touching. It's absolutely fantastic. It's really good. There's a season two. I'm really looking. There's yeah, it just two. hasn't came out yeah. in the U.S. yet. Right. We're really looking forward to it. It comes out on Hulu. Season two does next month sometime. So yeah. it's not a long wait. And it's only six episodes, so it's a really quick watch because they're only a half hour long. I should check those out because I've heard a lot of good things about them. You'll you'll love them. They're absolutely hilarious. You know, Michael Sheen and David Tennant's chemistry just continues to be phenomenal. You know, stage two is actually a meta version of this. It's them talking about uh, it's them in real life, and they are uh, re- everything that relates into it relates into them doing that particular series. And so they've kind oh, really? of, yeah, they've taken it out and done this kind of meta thing with it. So <laughs> uh, very cool. Sean, did you watch anything? Not really worth mentioning this week. It was kind of a quiet week. WandaVision was just amazing. Have you seen that one yet, Sean? That was week? good. Yeah. Man, that was so Yeah. Cool. I think that one's really come the furthest of, of, uh, I don't want to spill any, spoil anything for anybody that might still be watching, but that's the one that's come, the, I think the most to kind of revealing a lot of stuff, kind of, kind of opening up all the mysteries going, aha. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, if people have not watched it, they're not following Disney plus or Marvel on any of the social yeah, media no because kidding. they posted the song yeah. and spoiled <laughs> it for anybody who might not have seen it. Right. Yeah. I saw the next that. day. I saw that. Or at least by Monday. That's why we've been making sure we watch it on Friday night. As soon as I get home, me and the kids sit down and we we watch the recent episode. I try to stay off of social media all day on Friday. It's one thing if a show drops on a network at a certain time because you know when you're going to be able to avoid stuff. But when it's like Disney where it drops at like 2 o'clock in the morning and everybody's already watched it by noon, and you're like, oh, great. (laughs) 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 I kind of have to stay away, but. It's so good. They're doing such a good job with it. I'm, they're knocking it out of the park. All right. Well, did you watch we, anything else, Glenn? No, no, just Wandavision. I don't watch anything anymore. <laughs> I watch YouTube videos. <laughs> I watch Doctor Who YouTube videos, Minecraft YouTube videos, mind-numbing stuff that you know I don't have to commit any brain sales to. <laughs> Let's move on to news. Well, the only bit of news this week is there's going to be a new book zine coming out which was a phrase i'd never heard of until today but <laughs> makes sense <laughs> called doctor who chronicles and the first one is going to be 1965 this is coming from the makers of doctor who magazine so the magazine the book scene will examine landmark years of the show's history in unprecedented details the first issue looks at 1965 when the most popular episode of Doctor Who attracted more than 13 million viewers and Dalek Mania reached its peak. So it's going to feature newly discovered images, all new features, including a summary of the year's most significant events in the Doctor Who universe, both on screen and off, a whole bunch of memorabilia, designs for toys that never went for sale, um, a whole lot of details, just everything you could ever find about that year that's, in Doctor Who history. That sounds really cool. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Is there a price point on it? Uh, it goes on fourth on sale February twenty fourth with for nine ninety nine pounds oh, from today. Panini stores. Oh, that is today. Yeah. Uh, and there's a few select branches in the UK, but you can also buy it digitally from PocketMags.com oh, for eight ninety nine pounds. Well, also, I guess I'm gonna have to do that because I have a PocketMags account, so that's what I'll do. This there just in go. now available. Yeah. Now available. <laughs> I didn't read down to the release date. <laughs> yeah, it's it's today as we record this, we should say. By the time this goes out, it'll have been yesterday or the day before or the day before. 
or the day before. This is one of the few times in uh, in the, the podcast before. when we can quite literally say hot off the press. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a good thing that we had some technical issues and couldn't record till tonight because we didn't have any news until now. It's going to be 116 pages long. Wow. So I've heard, bo- I've heard bookzine before, but I've never really thought about it. Is it like, because it's like magazine format, but it's like book links. Is that why they call them book scenes? I think that's the idea. Ah, uh, I know that, um, just a magazine. I think it's Vorp is, uh, it's like a fan, uh, magazine or it's not even a magazine. They call it a book zine, I think. And that's kind of the same concept. It's magazine style, but it, they do it lay like one volume a year or one volume every two years, something like that. Mm. Anyway, cool. Well, I'm excited for that. I'm going to, I'm actually, when we get done here, I'm going to pop over to <laughs> pocket mags and go ahead and download a copy. <laughs> and that's it for news. All right. Well, do you guys have any uh, fun news that you wanted to share? I mean, it feels kind of empty that I don't have any Dr. Who news. Sean, that's your cue for, um, it's still not on. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's get into our reviews. Cause, um, we might have a lot to talk about this week. These are some long episodes. A Storm of Angels. Look at the stars above below so many possibilities. Resistance will be crushed. (laughs) Not for long. Who's there? John Dean. I hear thy voice, Philip. Know thee not. Thou art bound by my summons. Show no duplicity. Reveal thyself. We are watching. We wait on you, John Dee. Who are you? What do you desire? Knowledge. Then behold the symmetry of the heaven. Doctor? You're tearing a rift in the time vortex. Pull back. You're dragging us both through. Agent Zero to control. The doctor's breaking custody. Control. Can you hear me? Zero to control. These are my last coordinates. I'm being granted. Go ahead, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed this one. I did too. This was, yeah, this was so good. Um, Again, I I, I imagined the, you know, um, uh, Jeffrey Belden doing the first Doctor. Um, I I think the mannerisms weren't as forced as they were in the first story that we did that had him portrayed as the Doctor. but I still, in my mind's eye, had the first doctor in mind, even though there were a lot of times that he was being very unfirst doctorly. But I think that's really cool that you can kind of attribute that to the fact that this is basically a direct sequel of the very first story of the Unbound series. And so, in fact, it picks right up and satisfied my in-universe issue that I had with the ending of that one where we talked about the split Susan dialogue that was happening. I think that this almost really kind of... It explains it. Yeah, it just basically puts a little bow on that and says this is why that happened. Um, no idea probably that... Um, who wrote this? Was this... This was Mark Platt. Probably no idea that Mark Platt knew he was going to come back and do another one of these, but by signaling that and picking up back up off on that. I thought that was really, really clever, but there are a lot of, like I say, there are a lot of things that I don't think he did that were very first doctor like, but I think based on the events that happened in the first unbound story, I think that, the, that it's okay that this doctor, you know, slightly changes or, or evolves in a different way than the Hartnell doctor necessarily would have because of the way, um, you know, his, his life was cast. He, he did leave earlier. He didn't remain on Gallifrey for all those years. And I think that this one does a really neat bit of the little, you know, uh, the Hartnell doctor always said, you know, you can't change history, not one bit of it. And, uh, this doctor is the idea is, well, you can change, you know, history as long as it's just a tiny bit. And, to later come up and, and realize that there are repercussions for that and how much the history has changed and how their meddling has sort of advanced civilization beyond what it should be. 
And what I really thought was cool is they kind of lead you to believe that early on it's because they have, and the doctor's very convincing about this. I think he's almost fooling him himself. I think maybe he knows the truth, but is, is maybe lying to himself and believing his own lie that they have splintered off into an alternate dimension because mm-hmm. as we said, you know, Drake is uh, charting the asteroid belt and, you know, exploring the, the mysteries of the unknown in space and, and bringing uh, the riches back to Queen Victoria. And, uh, it, it, you know, so I sort of, I sort of thought, I wonder if this is like an alternate timeline. Have we jaunted off? No, it's actually the timeline. It's because he and Susan have been, well, this Susan have been meddling in time. And I thought that what a great idea to kind of show us the repercussions of what can happen. And it's not a new idea. It's kind of a, a trope that's been done before, but you know, in Doctor Who, we don't get to explore that as often because, or or to this extent, because a lot of times, you know, the, the Doctor fixes things or he doesn't change fixed point in time. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, finagling in the stories to, to make sure that things work out right. But that's what I really liked about this. Not to mention, it also really feels, we kind of got away from the Doctor Who, Doctor Who story feel. This one feels a lot more like a Doctor story, while also... Um, taking us in a different direction. So I think that I, was one of the things I really liked about it as well. And it especially feels like a big finished Doctor Who story because, well, they do their best to try to match the tone and flavor of what was on television at the time. There's a lot of it there, like especially in the Eighth Doctor's era when there isn't anything to match it to. There they kind of just go off and do their own thing. And this kind of has that feel of this grand idea of these 16th century explorers and Gloriana in space and you know how that would work. And that's not something that necessarily I think they would have done on television in the sixties for the first doctor's era, Yeah, absolutely. but in audio, it works out so well because you can visualize everything and see how it would work without them having to deal with the special effects of everything. Yeah. And a lot of that credit goes to Mark Platt. I think he's a, he's a fantastic, um, imaginary writer i think they think sometimes he'll write above kind of the scope of the reader but this time i don't think he does i think he i think he lands right in there in the average but has these kind of really clever ideas that he's able to to, you know drive home i couldn't agree with you guys more um across the board this one has these grand ideas and then lives up to them it manages to feel like um in many ways a, a newer doctor who episode that happened to be set in the the classic era, if that makes sense. Um, as you mentioned, Glenn, there, there's so many times that the first Doctor in particular is always, you know, we see lots of time meddling in Doctor Who. It's just never the Doctor that's doing it. Right. You know, he's always fixing the problem. Um, and so for this to be so cavalier, and so, well, we only did a little bit. Well, we only showed him that one thing. Well, he only hung out in the TARDIS for a week. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but it was Da Vinci. I mean, and to to suddenly get to that idea, I would I would love the opportunity to come back to this universe, not just Unbound, but if we have Drake exploring the asteroid belt, how much further beyond where humanity's at now would they be if they continued on that thread? Yeah. I mean, it just just such a fascinating group of possibilities there. And uh, so that was a really exciting thing. I love the fact that we came back to to these characters, um, you know, from the first Unbound. I love the fact that we fixed what we all kind of perceived as a, I wasn't really sure what was going on, but this is what I thought. Well, no, here it is. This is what's going on. Oh, okay. And to, to kind of get more of a resolution on that, I loved the resolution of the story, mm-hmm. that how they were able to satisfactorily tie off all the the loose ends that were were created um during this the only thing i had a problem with was the actual villains i think the angels themselves were a little i i would have this would have benefited me had this been an episode or a comic and i would have had some sort of visual reference to go off of other than their jewel encrusted well angels I just I don't know something about that description just didn't quite click well enough for me to be able to visualize the threat. See, I think but other would, than that, I think, it, I, I think I didn't it, necessarily think they were jewel encrusted angels. I think they were jewels that were right. alive essentially and overtaking people and right. then there were this being that was 
posing as angels right right in the mirror you know and they were connected and they were just not necessarily illusions but it was the facade that they had over them to make them alluring to these people right. and that wasn't their real appearance well and i think that it was yeah it's i, I agree with keith i think it's the allure it, i think it was some sort of like maybe sort of a mental thing a projection that that they were projecting but they described them as at one point you know little jewels that are almost like bugs and i kind of imagined that the you know the the jewels kind of as they took these as they took the people over they, they you know they sort of kind of killed them but then they have kind of that sentient hive mind where they kind of work in unison so they could look mm-hmm. like they were uh you know uh, humanoid or at least humanoid in shape and kind of these you know these illustrious jewel creatures. And so I think it, it, for me, it kind of worked and I could kind of imagine what was going on there. The, the things inside the mirror was a little different because they never really described it as, as jeweled, but I'm with Keith. I think that that's kind of the entity that was drawing those, uh, the gems. So I was okay with that. And when I imagine the uh, jewels, I would, you know, I imagine cause they talk about like almost like they're skittering. Mm-hmm. So like, they're all, I almost envisioned them as jewels within their placements without like a ring on them. So they still have the metal underneath yeah. so they could have those as legs. Sure. Like the little, so I thought, I thought them, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought the descriptions were pretty well done. So I understood kind of what they were talking about. Um, I, I, I love the fact, and, and, and I think I maybe sort of suspected, or I, I sort of thought that maybe, uh, Susan was an Android early on, um, or a robot or something, but, I sort of suspected something was wrong that she wasn't necessarily sick and that this this version had been the other piece that came out of the possibility um what was it the possibility engine what they call that possibility generator generator and so I kind of thought that but I thought maybe she was going I didn't I didn't really think of her being sort of this um abstract version that was created in in kind of corporeal form by the possibility generator i sort of thought maybe she was just like power was running low and she was almost an android state and so but i think i mean that was kind of in the back of my mind i wasn't i didn't push that to the forefront yet um so it still was quite a unique surprise when the real susan shows up because she has sent you know this these the cia agent and all these people trying to find the doctor and she ends up showing up well the first hint is when uh, oh Ciro shows up and he mistakes this susan for the president and i yeah. thought they'd go a little further with that he was very quick to dismiss that she wasn't that he had mistaken her for somebody else so it's almost like he didn't quite, he wasn't privy to the fact that he was running around with a copy of Susan. And so I, I kind of wish they had gone with it a little bit further, but I, it was okay. But when he says that mistakes her, I thought, okay, I know where they're going with this. That real Susan is really still back on, you know, Gallifrey. She's the, she's a president. She went on and, and led her life as it was, but it still was a neat revelation, even though I had sort of started putting the pieces together that this Susan and the reasons why she was being sick was because basically the, the, the possibility engine was losing power because the TARDIS was losing power and there was nothing to continue to keep her going. I just figured she had cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, that's, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. time Lord cancer is. Right. That's, and I think sick. that's what they were, that's what they were trying to imply at first. <laughs> and when did you I think that yeah right yeah um and i think the re- the uh kind of skipping ahead here but the resolution of this was really cool um not just how they resolved this you know the, you know luring the the gems away but the fact that you get the impression that 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 susan did go away but president susan replaced her you know not not in wink as this you know not really President Susan, but the so she's going to travel with her grandfather anyway and not have to worry about running Gallifrey as, as she was. I thought that was kind of a neat way to end it, too. Yeah, I like that. Extremely satisfying. Yeah, yeah. And still makes me want more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was kind of now I want that Susan with Yeah, her. it's kind of sad that Jeffrey, uh, Bilden. I mean, I think anybody could probably come in and play that version of the doctor, but it, it wouldn't be the same without Jeffrey Bilden in the role. It's too bad he died. Yeah. And I think uh, Caroline Ford did a great job differentiating her yeah. seasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could really tell which one was which. Yeah. Especially once she showed up. Yeah. All mad. <laughs> well, because President Susan, she acts very much more mature and very much um, authoritative. And mm-hmm. the, 
young Susan or the, the copy Susan, she seems very much like her character in early days where she's still very kind of naive and excited about adventuring and questioning just about everything that comes up. And she, yeah, you're right. Caroline Ford does a great job of separating both of those roles. Yeah. And it's not, um, it's not just that it's, it's Caroline Ford doing Susan and Caroline Ford doing Susan. But there's something about the way that Caroline Ford does Susan and Susan that that just really I've, I've always been impressed of all of the the big Finnish actors that kind of come back to the roles that for me Caroline Ford still manages to sound like Susan. I, I've always been impressed by that because I, I've commented before that some actors certainly sound older, and um, you know she being you know going from whatever you know sixteen year old teenage. Susan in the in the series to now that's a huge gap to to cover but there's something about her vocal performances that have just kind of always immediately cast me back to that Susan now yeah, yeah she's a little bit older she's a little bit wiser she's obviously president of Gallifrey and yet it's still Susan mm -hmm. and and so to get a double dose of that in the same episode was was really kind of a yeah I just it was very pleasing mm -hmm. I also was quite impressed with um, the Queen. Oh, I think I said Victoria earlier. It was Elizabeth, wasn't it? It was Elizabeth. Yeah. I couldn't remember the name. I wasn't going to try and step on that. <laughs> <laughs> Gloriana. We've, we've been down that road before showing our, uh, our <laughs> ignorance on. Well, I knew it was Elizabeth because they say Elizabeth in here. But um, yeah, no, super, super, super jazzed with not only her performance, but the, the little quiet moments with her and Drake. Mm -hmm. uh, and then again, the resolution oh, with how I, that's decided. <laughs> I want that adventure. I want to, I want Sir Francis Drake and Queen Elizabeth off having adventures together now, you know, leading this thing away from earth and then, you know, having their own adventures together because the dynamic between those two was great. I thought the guy that played Francis Drake was, uh, in fact, all the performances this are terrific. I mean, yeah, everybody yeah, really in this are. are really, really well done. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you, uh, Drake and, and Elizabeth. Their chemistry together is just, uh, it's that butting heads, but also working well together. I just loved it. It would be fun to have, you know, jump in somewhere down the line where they've been at this for a while and she's kind of gotten over her queenness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we, 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 land in the middle of an adventure where she's been forced to disguise herself as a, as, as a bar wench somewhere, <laughs> just <laughs> the indignity of it when they get back to the ship. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That'd be fun. Oh yeah. That would be a fun series. And, and him, you know, ribbing her about it. That would be great. It was it, uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe my enjoyment of this is directly tempered by what it came before, both canonically within the confines of this story. And outside of the story, since the last two that we listened to were, were kind of stinkers. Yeah. Maybe that just the, the, the fact that it was a return to the familiar that it was like, okay, we've done enough experimental. Let's, let's get back to, to brass tacks as it were. Right. Um, and yet still hit that unbound remit and yes. still do different things that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very much familiar, but also at the same time, very different. One of my favorite things about the story was going through and discovering all the different things way things are different yeah. because of what they've done in the past. Like even just down to the initial, you think they land on a boat mm -hmm. and then it's this the, the reveal that no, this is a spaceship is just absolutely well done mm -hmm. and such a nice twist that you don't see coming. And it just, it keeps going and he, the, you know, the doctor let the Aztecs know because he was mistaken for the high priestess and just how they're able to tie into the actual television stories that happen and then you know continue on and set up ideas of the changes that were made because not necessarily they were trying to make changes they were just being cavalier about it right right and and it it also gives you that idea that they've been traveling for a while together that this isn't just their first adventure right off the heels of odd mortality um, that they've had other adventures uh, in the meantime as well. Some, some that are familiar to us, with the like the Aztecs, and some that we hadn't seen because this was a different timeline. Good stuff. It is. Really good. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next one. Masters of War. Any idea where we might be? I couldn't get a clear reading. 
It does look a little familiar, though. Look at the buildings. That's battle damage. Where did you come from? Well, I'm from Earth. And I'm not. What are you doing here? We're travellers. Identify yourself and justify your presence, or you will be exterminated! Will you help us? Arm everybody you can. Find anywhere that's clear of Daleks and hold it. We're going to take back the city? Piece by piece. Threats to the order of Scarrow will be eliminated. Let's give them multiple targets on the ground. Crisscross this alley when they turn into it and instruct your people to concentrate their fire on one of them. This Dalek must be destroyed! I cannot permit this. It cannot be Davros! I can't believe they're squabbling and fighting each other like this. Forward defense outpost destroyed. 23 Daleks dead. What's that? Some kind of spaceship. Now who on earth's that? inside out when we have finished with it. They are the Quatch. They are in opposition to both Daleks and Thals. A good start might be to forge an alliance with the Daleks. That is impossible. Well, maybe it is, but we're still giving it a whirl. They're coming in fast, Alistair. I know. The other two sources are going to take them on. We're taking the scenic route to the Dalek City. We're relying on updates from you to time the train's arrival. We'll keep you posted as far as we can. We are not prepared. The civil conflict must cease or we will be defeated. Who are you? I am the Doctor. Engine the loudest bump, bump, bump I've ever given a story. <laughs> And then magnify it by like ten. Let's That's how much I liked this one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. I I I wholeheartedly occur, concur, and not just because this is a fantastic Dalek story. <laughs> uh, that's a big chunk of it for me, uh, especially since we've 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 come up with a way to tell a different Dalek story while maintaining sort of the same, uh, uh, you know maintaining the Daleks by maintaining their base uh, uh, um, character they have there were he's managed to tell a, a different story with them and I think that that's what I like but I think the the greatest thing about this and I'm finding that I'm I'm so excited that there are more David Warner doctor adventures out there is David Warner I'm so oh, enjoying yes. him as the doctor he is he does such a good job he is to me, He's a personification of not one doctor, but several together. I think he's very much Paul McGann. I think he's very much uh, John Pertwee. And I think he is very much Sylvester McCoy. I think he has elements of all three of those doctors. And I think that that's what makes his doctor so good is it, it brings in all the best parts of those three characters together. And then he puts his own spin on it as well, I think. He's not all, he's not borrowing or emulating all from those, but he's also putting his own self into it. And it's just, he does such a marvelous job. I just can't, I can't praise him more. And I'm I'm not as enamored with David Warner as an actor as you guys are. You guys, well, Sean for sure is a huge fan. Um, I'm a big fan too. Yeah, okay. So uh, David Warner is just David Warner. Right? He's in a lot of films that I like. He's done a lot of parts that I like. Don't get me wrong. I, it's not that I don't like the guy, but I've, I've just never, you know, oh, there's David Warner. Yeah, he's he, he this is good. Yeah, uh, he's Stark. I like him. Um, he's, you know, the, the guy in The Exorcist, or not The Exorcist, The Omen. But in this, he's fantastic, and I'm really enjoying him as a character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Either, all, all, all of that. I was just say you, you either cut out or you just flat out agree. <laughs> yeah, just, just, I, you know, I, at the, at the risk of sounding like the David Warner fan club appreciation society, <laughs> he, he, in, in the first audio, he was good. He was, he was really, really good, Yeah. but he was hamstrung a little bit by the story and the scenario setting up that, well, this is kind of sort of supposed to be the third doctor mm-hmm. uh, and, and maybe not, but that's just the, the impression that, that I got is, no, that, I think so. You know, yeah. he, he, he was pushed into that role. I'm going to be a little grumpy cause I'm isolated and I'm on earth and I'm stuck and I yes. can't leave. And Agreed. you know, Agreed. that, that, that doctor free of that constraint, he suddenly metamorphosed into Wow, 
this is the doctor. This is if you know they always have those polls. If you could travel with any doctor, who would you choose? And it's always a agony choice because it's like, ah, this one would be so much fun. This one would probably get me killed. This one would, you know, but you, you, you feel like you got to pick. No, hands down, this one. <laughs> because he embodies the elements of so many of the other doctors and did it effortlessly. Yeah. He had moments where he was, uh, you know, the, the, the wise playing in the lab third doctor doing the science stuff. He had moments where he was very... Uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek humor uh, uh, and, and and playful like the Eighth Doctor. He had moments where he was being a little devious and, and Machiavellian like the Seventh. I mean, it was just such a complete package. There was and, also moments where he was very pragmatic like the Twelfth Doctor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly true. Just, uh, you know, blew my doors off <laughs> with, the, with just how much was in here. And now I'm honestly... I'm a little upset to know that casting this good exists <laughs> and we've never really tapped it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that to me is, is, is a travesty greater than lost episodes and wilderness years. And <laughs> I won't go that far, but. <laughs> oh, it, it, it is such a, why wasn't this guy picked <laughs> at some point in yeah. time to play the doctor? Yeah. Well, and, and I, I, as I said, I think it's, I, I, I relish in the comfort that, that there is more David Warner doctor out there. And in fact, some of the Bernice Summerfield stories is where we'll get eventually when we get to them. Uh, that's where they've, and I think those are just the more, the more recent ones have been yeah. uh, he traveling with her. So, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the brig, though. I think the brig got oh, to Jeff really Gittes. shine in this. He really got to shine in this. The, this was the brig in his element. It, it, and, and what I really like about it is that it contrasts so much the first story. It contrasts the brigadier that is sort of the um, in sympathy of the devil. He's the he's he's jilted by uh, his service because. Everything that he tried to do because the doctor wasn't there to, to his best efforts ended up failing. And unfortunately, that, you know, that just didn't work out for him. And he he left disgraced from from, from the uh, service. And so to contrast this where they put him back into his element and he does, he just falls right back into uh, his leadership role in this and being able to com- command on the front line. Uh, I just and and Nicholas Courtney just does. I mean, he he can embrace the brigadier so well anyway. But to just fall back into it and really give almost a redemption story arc for this version of the brigadier, who you know was disgraced in the service uh, prior, and also to leave him behind at the end for him to become sort of a, a statesman, so that he can negotiate this between this new dynamic that the that the Daleks and the Thals will have going forward I think was a great way to put a bow on the story yes I would have liked to have had more adventures of you know David Warner's doctor and the brigadier because I think they work so well together but I also thought it was very uh, sweet that he got this kind of finale in this story as well well and knowing big finish had they wanted to continue they could have slotted more stories between sympathy for the devil and this one because obviously they've been traveling together for a while yeah yeah and i i think nicholas courtney it almost seemed to relish in performing this different version of the brig too there was almost a different sort of energy to him because the character was different just enough he was still the same character at his core but the situations that brig found himself in while familiar in this situation, but because of the history of Sympathy of the Devil, he performed it so differently mm-hmm. that it just made it feel completely different and so fantastic. Yeah. Another thing that played into that is the Doctor's reactions to the Brig. We are so used to the third Doctor where the Brig will um, suggest a military solution to the problem, and the third Doctor will push back against it. And... Sometimes it's fun, and sometimes it's, you know, absolute loggerheads yeah. uh, w- between the two of them. And this doctor was like, that's an excellent idea, go for it. 
Yeah. Partially because it's the Daleks, which I, you know, we never really get that in the, in the, in the third doctor run yeah. with the brig, but partially because it, it just, it felt like they had been together long enough. They'd had enough adventures under their belt that this doctor recognized the brig is in his element. He's doing his thing and he's organizing the troops and he's, you know, building morale and just, he, he, he just, just let him go. Just let yeah. him do his thing, you know, and, and that to me just it just endeared both characters to me all the more yeah. because it was so mm-hmm. cool to see the brig blossoming, for lack of a better term, uh, and and to finally kind of have a doctor who was accepting of that. Yeah, but at the same time, he would still temper the the uh, brigadier at times. Uh, one example would be when the brig was going to give far too much information about himself. And he says, Alistair will be fine. And then there was another point where he was going to give more information. And uh, I think the doctor said something to the extent to, why don't you give him your rank, you know, rank and serial number as well? I, so he, he still has those moments of, okay, rail it back, Alistair. But mm-hmm. you're right. When he, when he knows that Alistair's playing to his strengths, when he knows that the brig is playing to his strengths, he lets him go. And he doesn't, he doesn't hold him back in those cases. And I, I, totally agree and both of those instances of him reining him in were early on mm-hmm. where yeah. we you know the brig hadn't got his feet underneath him yet right right dealing with the Daleks well so. and, and it was more of a defensive instead of an offensive and I think the brig's yeah. always been better on the offense yeah that's true too well how many convoys got hit and destroyed and right, yeah. right. defense sucks mm-hmm. <laughs> you know this is probably I secretly root for the Daleks anyway because I like the characters so much and I like, I don't like them. I like to hate the Daleks. I like to hate them. I like to hate them as an enemy. Um, But this was this refreshing change of being able to halfway through this story realize that, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, these aren't the Daleks we're familiar with. These Daleks, these Daleks actually still have some pity and they, (laughs) misguided as it is are trying to protect the thals and that revelation later to to me there's it's been a long time since i've listened to or read a story that there was such a revelation that i went what (laughs) and this one was hidden so well this one was done so what nothing telegraphed to me that these that these weren't the daleks that we were familiar with and to have that revelation midway through I was just, I was blown away. Um, just uh, to be able to tell a different story with the Daleks, anybody that can do that and not, you know, still use, you know, the, as I said, the character of the Daleks, but to turn it on its head and, and think outside the box and do something a little different. Eddie Robinson, he, this is the first time I've seen anybody do this with the Daleks and, and sell it to me so well. When it helps that we have such a different Davros too. I mean, he's the same character at his core, but is approached in a completely different manner and taken out of the story for a large part, other than this mythical mm-hmm. figure, which yeah. is absolutely just fascinating way to establish the character. And even going to the point that, you know, well, the doctor doesn't know who he is and hasn't heard of him. And then he shows up out of nowhere, just, all works so well together. Yeah, putting Davros in this sort of god status, I thought was kind of a clever t- uh, twist as well. And something that, in in some ways, it seems oddly strange hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. When when you think back on uh, the, the destiny of the Daleks, where we're search for the creator because we've come up against the Mavellans and can't beat them, and so they're they're you know being very pragmatic about it. And the Daleks don't have a lot of imagination. But in some ways, you would almost think that that's a ripe opportunity to create this mythical god-creator figure and, and, and poke some fun at them and yet still have them, you know, not admitting that they all believe, but that some of them believe. It's, it's, it's really a, a, yeah, what a great idea. And when, when, when that happened, when they started to feed into that, I, I had the kind of the same reaction I did during uh, Doomsday when the, the Daleks showed up out of the out of the ball and we had Daleks and Cybermen in the same story. And my brain kind of went, Eat! wait a minute, how many years of fandom and we've never had this? 
<laughs> Nobody's ever thought to put the two of them together before. Whoa. And so I, I kind of had that same moment of, you know, elation. Just, ooh, what a cool idea. And then to have him show up. Yeah. You know, after after we've after we've rigged the the the, the figurehead, after we've reprogrammed him, and I'm Davra, and what a great oh, we're gonna start a civil war. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, I am so on board with the seventh doctor of yours, David Warner. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, what what could possibly go wrong? Oh, God shows up. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, timing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think the Quatch. I think. Uh, well, I hate the. I hate the name. Every time they said Quatch, I kept thinking they were saying Quark. Uh, but but the, wrong with that. the Quatch, <laughs> not a very imaginative villain, and really annoying. I mean, I didn't think there could be a more grating voice than the Daleks. But then they bring the Quatch along, and they prove me wrong. Uh, it just. I didn't. I didn't the dislike him. Thing was I, the the, the lightness of the voice, and I had to turn up the volume every time they spoke, so I yeah, could hear them. Yeah, and then yeah. I would have a Dalek screeching in my ear the next second. <laughs> yeah, because they they did. They had kind of that wispy, uh, euthyric, yeah, man. Uh, and then Davros went back back and forth too. Some yeah, of the audio yeah. production on this that was not as up to the standards I'm used to. Ah, I didn't notice, but I didn't listen to it through headphones. It was mostly through a stereo speakers, so I didn't. I didn't no, have, and that I was in the problem. car, so I had to turn it up. So I'd. Mm. Uh, I'll be darned. Uh, yeah, I did too, and I didn't. I didn't seem to have a problem, but uh, yeah, just uh, the 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 quartz was a, was a, a clever idea, and really they served their purpose because they were a vehicle. They were a vehicle in this story to give us a. You know, an ultimate, you know, the the bad guy, the 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 villain that we're not familiar with, and then also give Davros a means for coming back, and also giving us a means for uniting uh, Thals and Daleks together. Um, but I felt that the Quarch was set up to be a little more intimidating than they turn out to be. Does that make sense? It's almost like they were these godlike creatures that were, you know, feared by the Daleks because they were so clever and powerful and, you know, their 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 tactical skills were amazing. And then when they show up, now granted, they, we did introduce the idea that because the Brig and the Doctor were um, leading the, the resistance, they are they weren't used to those strategies and so they were they were on their back footing and always having to adapt to what was happening next so that worked and i and i think that's what sold it but they they were almost built up too much for for what we end up getting i kind of kept waiting for the other shoe to drop because it seemed like we never had a point except for the point where uh the two gals were getting ready to surrender because the Court's uh, enemy was right on their, you know, doorstep, and and they had no other defense other than to give up. And that confrontation between the the one Dalek and uh, what was that Gillen was was it Gillen or was it Nadell, whichever one it was, uh, that that confrontation about you know well we need to surrender so we can survive and 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 hope that the Doctor's plan works. And the Daleks saying that that's not Daleks don't give up. We we go for it. just that that dynamic was really good. But to have them show up yeah. and then that was really the kind of the only intense oh what's going to happen moment from about I'd say the three quarters mark the our heroes had the upper hand most of the way and I think that that was its only failing was I wanted that one more what's going to happen next to put us in peril that we're going to have to get out of. And it didn't happen in that last quarter of the story and not to its detriment because I was still having so much fun and the ride was just completely worth it because the performance were great. The story's good. Um, everything that's going on is, is tremendous, but I was, I sort of just wanted that one more conflict that never came. They reminded me quite a bit of the, I don't remember the name of them, but the uh, tinfoil phantoms oh, that invaded yeah. Gallifrey. Yeah, the uh, time. Uh, invasion of time. Invasion of time, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what those were called. Um, but the, the very kind of ethereal, wispy, just 
you know, insubstantial. You can't see them, but you know they're there. And, and in a way, kind of had the same reveal that, <laughs> okay, we're, we're, we're building these things up to be these phenomenal bad guys. And then, dun, 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 oh, it's the Suntarns. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. true. That's very true. Except I was more excited about the Suntarns. But, you know, kind of that same twist where all of a sudden they became something ineffective. Okay. Um, the but Var- it, it Vardens. Was, the Vardens. Vardens. Yeah, very, very similar. Um, and I I felt bad because Daleks being Daleks and Tuesday being Tuesday, I kept waiting for them to turn around and yeah. betray the Alliance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that was going to be the big twist is that, oh, they're actually going to work with the Quatch or the, yeah. And no, just they're they're here yeah I we're think, not happy about it but we're here and we're doing our bit and it's like well you guys really are different yeah i i thought the same thing now they i did like that they had some of the loyalists to davros and so we had this sort of you know civil war going on um but yeah no i i would agree i i, I kept thinking at some point all of the daleks were going to become loyalists or switch sides because of their their ideals or their their principles yeah, the ones that didn't, those were all special weapons Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> Head cannon. I should sit out there with a table, change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just, there, there's so many layers to this thing that it, it, it works on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many little rev, rev, uh, revelations that build into big revelations that just kind of keep coming. Well, um, the idea that the Quatch were the re- ultimate reason behind the war between the Thals and the and the Daleks, oh, yeah. that was a neat yeah. revelation. In fact, that's one of the things I thought would have been cool had they revealed that in the main timeline, in the Prime Universe. That would have been cool if we found out that there was another group of you know aliens out there that had started that war. I thought that would be a clever idea too. And maybe they do. And we, they just haven't been revealed in the prime universe. Yeah. And that conversation when the doctor and Deborah's finally meet and it's like no big deal because yeah. we don't know who, I don't know who you are. Right. You don't There's know no history. Am, you know, right. <laughs> so you're, you're kind of, you know, putting the cart before the horse waiting for the, yeah, here it comes. Here it comes. And then nothing, there's no fireworks. There's no chemistry. There's no, Where's the, oh yeah, I have to keep reminding myself that this isn't the thing. All right. Well, did you not, did you not feel like they almost still had this air of they knew each other or they knew elements of each other? And I don't mean by like some sort of weird eschatological, you know, uh, eschatological, (laughs) I don't know what I'm trying to say. Some, some weird hoodoo thing, just almost like they could read each other as characters. Does that make sense? It sort of felt like they could do that with each other. Yeah, I'd buy that. But maybe that's as fans, us reading that yeah, into that it, could be too. as well. Yeah. Um, but to, to, to drop that bombshell on Davros, the, the, the people that you're working for, yeah, they're the ones that put you in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> And made my made my earballs happy. And his voice that when he performs it is just so spot on. I'm sorry, who's that? Uh, the doctors. Oh yeah. yeah. When the way he presents that information is just so. He, he could he could he could have done it gloating. He could have done it yeah. probing. He could have done it forcefully and well yeah well what about this ha ha, and but he doesn't. And I think that's what sells Davros on it is the fact that it's this very quiet. <laughs> I'm so sorry, <laughs> kind of kind of thing, and it, it just it, it it flips him, and you know you you wouldn't think Davros is Davros, just like Daleks are Daleks. He's not going to flip him. There's something bad going to happen, and it's gonna, nope, flipped him. Whoa! I just subverted my expectations at every single turn. And, and I think that, you know, you, you go into it and it's like, okay, it's a Dalek story, but it's an alternate universe Dalek story. So, you know, and, and David Warner Dalek story and a Brig Dalek story. Okay. It's still going to be cool. And, you know, we get just enough of the standard Dalek story to, to be satisfactory for those reasons. 
everything else about it is not a standard Dalek story. And and it just enriched it so much. Yeah. I'm gushing because I just, and I sat on it for a couple of days. Uh, you know, we had a couple of extra days because of our tech problem. And I was all prepared to go in and go, yeah, I really liked this one. And just the longer I sat on it, the more it was like, no, I really love <laughs> this one. <laughs> well, the longer you think about it, the more you see the layers and what all they did. Yeah, with you it. get more time to peel it back. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, I think also this is the longest of all of the Unbound stories we've done, but did not feel long at all. Uh, I think that that's what, also amazes me about it is a lot of times when we have these really long form two hour uh, audio stories even in the prime universe sometimes it'll get kind of it'll get mired in a lot of okay we I would have cut this out or this could, could have done without this because it's kind of dragging the story or I'm getting to the point where I'm ready for this to wrap up I never felt like this in this story at all. In fact, there was a lot of times that I kept thinking, this is almost over. <laughs> this, this can't be over. I'm not ready for this to be done. <laughs> I need more. I right, need more. Right. Yeah, so, same. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got more so, good stuff on the schedule, Sean. We do, which is posted. Or this good stuff? <laughs> not, not like this. <laughs> not, not like this. this. Stuff. Other good stuff. Um, we we have uh, we we have so much good stuff. It's unreal how much good stuff we have. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say about that. Uh, the schedule. The oh, next I thought chapter. for a minute there you weren't going to share. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I, sp- I suppose I could keep it a secret. No, 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 no. It's just he the way 30. the way you were tiptoeing around there. I thought, oh, he's not going to tell us. Well, I was pulling up the schedule. <laughs> oh, that was a delay but, tactic. Okay, I got you. But but thanks for calling attention. To it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the schedule, which is posted, the next chapter of the adventure, as it were. Uh, uh, next week, we will be doing "I Am the Master: Legends of the Renegade Time Lord," which is a book of short stories all about our favorite Betty in celebration of his fiftieth anniversary this year. And then uh, we go back to some big finish with the first of the War Doctor sets. Uh, we will be doing all three stories in that one, The Innocent, The Thousand Worlds, and The Heart of the Battle. And uh, if you want to go out further than that, you can. Again, check out our website, travelingvortex.com, if you want to follow along. That's right. While you're there, uh, if you get any value out of this podcast, consider putting some value back into it. You can do that by clicking on the Patreon link there on the website. Also, consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to podcasts, specifically Apple Podcasts, because it boosts us in the ratings and recommendations. And then be sure to join us and our conversations on the Listeners Forum on Facebook. Anything else we need to do before we close this one? If not, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. David Warner rules! You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.